As I mentioned earlier, I love being a part of this church. Uh, I do. I love being a part of this church. This church is very unique, in my opinion. It's, it's unique because I've gone to a few different churches, and what I don't typically see is an evenly proportionate distribution of gen- multiple generations. And we have that at Grace Bible Church. It's one of those things that I, I, I thank God for, is that the wisdom of those that have walked before me get to cover up maybe the mistakes that I make. And then I get to see the idiocy of the people below me, <laughs> younger than me, and I get to try to cover them up, realizing I'm not good at that either, and the older people do that. And by God's grace, through the prayers that have been going through this church for a long time, did you know that Jesus Christ has been declared in multiple countries, multiple people, multiple cities around the world because of your faithfulness? just to pray and just to serve. And I'm so grateful that you are an active church that chooses to be a part of that because we choose to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We faithfully follow him. In fact, that is what our sermon is on today. We want to explain to you how Grace Bible Church makes disciples. It took us a long time to figure this out. In fact, only two years ago did we simply come up with explaining to people how we make disciples at Grace Bible Church. Um, It took a long time. We've been doing it for years and years and years, and we finally took a step back to say, well, what actually have we been doing? And is there a way to communicate that with people so they can do that and join us in that process? And that's what I'm going to share with you this morning. You see, churches have been trying to do this forever because at the end of Matthew in chapter 28, Jesus makes a command to all his disciples, his followers, those that are going to go lead the church. He says, go make disciples. And so you have to understand how to make and what a disciple is, right? And usually when you get a group of pastors and you get in a church community or something like that where you care about doing that very thing, It always starts with a conversation. Well, if we don't define what a disciple is, how are we going to know if we ever made one? And this is how those meetings typically go. Each person individually has an experience in their life as they follow Christ, and they share that, and they say that must be the way that God is making disciples. So therefore, we should put it in our definition. Well, the problem with that is you have one person from this background, another from this background, another from this, and that definition gets incredibly long. And so what everybody agrees to do is they look at Scripture and they begin finding why that's important and they make sure that's included, maybe with a little more description and some church words or Bible words they issue into it. Then becomes the horror of cutting some of that out because it's way too long of a definition to be able to explain it for people to remember. And so when that comes up, it comes to a lot of conversation that ends up multiple meetings coming together to try to figure out what making a disciple is because they're trying to figure out what a disciple is. The problem with that is you keep having meetings and you never get to the making. And so here's the conclusion I've come up with. Having a finished definition isn't necessary. I don't think it's necessary. Let me prove it to you. Raise your hand. This is an interactive sermon this morning. I expect you to vote. Raise your hand. Do you know what a hot dog is? Let's see it. Some of y'all don't know what hot dogs are. Do you know what a hot dog is? Raise your hand. Very good. Now we're going to take a vote. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Raise your hand if it is. Look at that. Raise your hand if it is not a sandwich. Well, look at that. Y'all disagree. 
But if I held a hot dog up here, would you know that that's a hot dog? Yes. Why? Because you've seen a hot dog. I would even venture to guess you've tasted a hot dog. I would even go so far to say you've thrown a party where you have provided hot dogs and you announced that we are eating hot dogs. Am I right about that? Yet you cannot agree on whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich or not. So how are you going to lead people to hot dogs? You don't have to have a finished definition on what a hot dog is to know what one is because you've tasted it, you've experienced it, you've seen it. The same with a disciple, someone that's faithfully calling following Christ. Even people that are unbelievers can see someone that's faithfully following Christ and notice that there's something different. And they would say there's something religious or spiritual about that person that's at least attractive. I know that because we have that in one individual at our church. I know for certain that lived faithfully for three years in a job where this guy just came up to him and said, hey, do you want to talk about this Jesus thing? And he's not a believer. They meet on Wednesday nights. And another guy is actually joining them now. If you look different, people will recognize that it's different. And they will want to experience at least what you have if you've done it for a long period of time. And stick to it. Because you're different and you're obedient. And becoming more and more like Christ, which makes you a disciple of Christ. That's what we're going to do this morning. How we make disciples at Grace Bible Church. We're going to look at how we make disciples at Grace Bible Church. But not just people that follow Jesus, but follow Jesus in such a way that they make a difference. Why would you come to Grace? Why would you join us? Why would you be a part of what we're doing here? It's because we're trying to make an impact on the world while worshiping God with our lives. So, let's take a look at that. We're going to look at it in Acts 2. Acts 2 is the first expression of the church after many have believed in Jesus Christ. And that first expression has a, actually, it has a pretty good description about what we try to do here at Grace. But like I said earlier, you have to know what a disciple is. A disciple needs to be defined in such broad terms, in my opinion, that needs to cover a multitude of geographical backgrounds, a multitude of historical time periods, and a multitude of different people. So it has to work in China, it has to work in Brazil, it has to work in America, it has to work everywhere. It has to fall in line with what's biblical in Scripture. It has to work in 100 years after Jesus to 2,000 years after Jesus. It has to fit all of that. And so what we've decided at Grace Bible Church is there's three simple words that will help you see what someone is a disciple looks like. And it's simple. First, they have to believe. They have to believe. A disciple believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior because of his death on the cross and his resurrection as God in flesh. According to 1 Corinthians 15, that is the gospel. And you have to believe that if you're going to be a disciple for Jesus. If you're lacking belief, you're not a disciple for Jesus. 
You might be following some of the good methods. You might be following some of the practices. You might be sitting in a church this morning. But if you do not believe, you are not a disciple of Jesus. In fact, Jesus says it himself in John 5, where he says, the work that the Father has demanded of you is to believe in the one he has sent, referring to himself. Belief is necessary. And a mature disciple continues to grow in their belief. They don't just have that one moment of where they obtain salvation, but they continue to grow in their faith. That regardless of what happens, they've built their faith on this solid rock. Regardless of the storms that come around, it is not shaken because their belief is in that one, Jesus Christ. But there's a second part of this definition. They have to believe, and I believe a mature, good disciple grows. They grow. They grow in their understanding and they grow in their unity together. The next slide that's up here, you will see the arrows are different. Our believe arrow goes up to the cross. But on the next slide, if it pops up, which is really pretty, what happens is there's a green color and we have arrows that grow in. And with your mind, with understanding, with reading the scripture and following him, you will grow in your faith and grow to look more like him because you will actually use his words. You will use the spirit that's guided you. But then also through fellowship and other people in unity, we'll grow to look like him as a congregation. You will see different expressions of who God is because we can't contain him in our bodies alone. But if we are faithful to gather together, you will see God work in a multiplicity of ways using different gifts. Because God is so vast, we need people. And that's how we grow. And then third, not only do we believe, not only do we grow, but our discipleship is not about ourselves, but also about going and making disciples and reaching others through service, acts to help people in their faith, and sharing the audible words of the gospel so that other people can believe that don't. That is a disciple. A disciple believes, they grow, and they go. Fairly simple. You can probably remember that. Well, let's take a look at our passage. Acts 2, 42 through 47. It starts with the words, they devoted themselves. The first word is they, which makes you ask the question, who? Well, they just heard the news of Jesus Christ and they believed what Jesus did. If you look at the verses prior to it, you will look in verse 22 through 24. And what you will have is you will have Peter sharing through his long sermon, the first sermon given to in an evangelical way for the beginning and start of the church after the people received the Holy Spirit. And he shared this in such a way that people would respond in faith, that the Spirit, Holy Spirit would move. And this is the start of the church. And so what happens is he shares these words. Listen to these words. 22, fellow Israelites, because everybody was in Jerusalem at this time. Listen to this, and he identifies the person in whom you should have faith. 
Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. So the person is Jesus. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan. It was God's plan for him to be handed over. For what purpose? And foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. This is Jesus. God's plan was for him to die on the cross, and they put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But then it goes on, verse 24. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it is impossible for death to keep hold of him. What you just saw was in Peter's first sermon, he made a clear declaration of what the gospel is. That Jesus, God in the flesh, came to earth as man, died on the cross for our sins, and rose from the dead to have conquered victory over death so that he could share it with those that believe. How do I know that? Because of what he says in verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured this God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So another identification of who that is to them. And they respond. They respond with this. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. I believe this is the moment of them believing. It's the moment of them believing. They're cut to the heart. They recognize their need as deprived people, as depraved people that have sin in their life and they need this crucified Jesus who raised from the dead to give them life and eternal life. And so they profess faith in their response because they were cut to the heart. They believe and they respond audibly because they know it shouldn't stop at belief and they say, what must we do? And then after Peter shares that with them, you get what we're reading today. There are five areas that I think a disciple continues in the path of as they grow to be like Christ. Five different ways Grace Bible Church joins you and assists in helping you grow as a disciple. You ready? Number one, you worship both corporately and personally, individually. You learn. You learn both in your individual lives and corporately together. You fellowship. You fellowship with God. You fellowship with individuals, but you also fellowship in unity together as a church. Number four, you serve you serve your body as they grow closer to Christ. It's your faith is not about yourselves, but it's about those in your church, a part of your body. But it's also those outside your church that you provide good service to them so that they might see something different. And finally, you share. You share the gospel of Jesus Christ, both to your family and the people here at Grace and also to those outside of the walls. And that's how you believe, grow, and go. That's how we help you believe, grow, and go is we provide a place for worship, for learning, for fellowship, for serving, and for sharing because that is what is demonstrated in these 
verses that we're going to look at. But I can't go any further without doing this. I know some of you are coming to church today and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You might be just hearing or hearing for a time that you finally feel stirred up, that you need to respond. You know that you need to respond to Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You know what he did with his life. You know what he did when he raised from the dead. And you know that it's the only hope you have. And I beg and I plead you to consider that. To consider that and have faith in that. To begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he chose to put himself in your lives. To reveal that to you. That you can have salvation in him. In him alone. That you will end the year in 2018. And start a new year in 2019. With that fresh understanding. That fresh faith of just hopefulness that you believe in Jesus Christ, that you will not go any longer running from God and pushing him away, even though you know the truth, that you would accept him in faithfulness, that you would believe him and follow him because of what he did for you, because everything else in your life isn't working. If that's you, this portion of the sermon is for you. We want you to grow as a disciple, but you have to believe first. You have to believe there's no hope for you apart from faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You have to have faith. Don't believe in the lies that your good actions will please him. Need faith in him alone. And if you're making that decision for the first time, I would love to talk to you after this service. I've got friends that would love to talk to you. You are not alone. But let's continue on. Let's look at those five areas that we need to respond to in faith. Remember, they are worship, learn, fellowship, serve, and share. So let's look at worship first. In those passages that we just read, or those verses that we just read, it says they devoted themselves to prayer. It says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. The first area that we provide for people, the first environment we provide for people is a place to worship their God, to respond to the one that has given his life for you, that does wanna share eternal life for you. And so we provide a place for you to worship. If you're a first time visitor this morning, you probably, or if you've ever visited this church for the first time, which I think all of you have, you probably first entered in through the worship service, which is what we have right here. And this is corporate worship. This is a time where we give him his due praise and adoration. Worship throughout scripture, as well as today, constitutes the response of human beings to God as they ascribe all honor and worth to their creator precisely because he is worthy. But worship is not just what happens in this time. It's what happens with your life. All of life is a response of worship and what you believe. In fact, our worship service is designed to help you do that when you leave these walls. You enter in, and when you enter in, you usually enter into songs, or always enter into songs, depending on what time you come in, is that you enter in with words of worship to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and our God, our Father. 
And they not only help you understand who he is, but it gives you opportunity to respond. Maybe you don't have the words, but to do it corporately together. And then we have a time where we stop everything, which every single church service that tells you how to grow tells you don't to do it. Don't do it. Don't stop the flow. But we stop the flow in the middle because it's time for you to personally respond. We don't just pray over you with a pastoral prayer, but we give you a time to individually respond in your seats. And then we pick it back up. We give you a time for you, actually, to worship God through giving him a gift. He's so graciously given you all things, and all things are really his. And he only asks for a little bit of it back so that you can experience what it's like to give to something that's life-giving. And God multiplies that and uses it to reach so many people and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Then you hear a sermon that's designed to stir your affections for Christ so that you will walk out of here changed and different and respond to him in a faithful way. That's what a worship service together looks like. But we wanna do that so that you will go and personally, individually worship him with your life, like it says in Romans 12, that your lives are spiritual sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And so you respond in a way where you have a quiet time or devotion to him, that you know how to pray to him. On the back of our notes, we actually have continued reading so that you would reflect on him through scripture, but also have a time of prayer. We provide it every Sunday. I don't know if you've ever flipped over the notes in your worship guide, but it's there because we care about your individual worship. We care about your lives reflecting and looking like him. Worship is an incredible place for you to start. But it's only one of the five. Because God wants you to reflect him in all these ways. Number two, learn. Learn. In the passage, this is actually the shortest description. However, it's the first one. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Because the mind is important to God. In fact, in Matthew, it says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. When I was in college, I remember becoming a believer for the first time. I got a job working for a uh, kids across America camps up in Branson, Missouri, where we got to share Jesus in an eight-day period of time over the full summer with people that uh, might not have heard about Jesus or might live in rough situations where they don't have the opportunity to hear about Jesus, and we presented it to them. And as we were talking with each other, preparing at this college before we went, uh, there was one person that said one of the most important things to them in the past was the fact that someone in their group said, I just want to read the Bible because I want to know this God and have an affection for him. That has given me so much. And I remember her saying, I didn't even know we were supposed to do that. Some of you don't know that you're supposed to grow in your understanding. Maybe you grew up in a demographic or a church where actually intellect or understanding was looked down on, which couldn't be further for the truth. Because God says over and over again to remember him based off of his word and his promises. If you actually go through scripture, there's only a few actions in the course of the entire universe that are described in scripture. But yet you're supposed to know those and respond to those so that your faith will be strengthened. It's one of the more interesting things in the passages in scripture. And so, he cares about your mind and your understanding. 
What we know or don't know about God affects the way we think and live. Any of the other five done apart from sound truth are actually precarious. There's little good that comes from being sincerely wrong or passionately misguided. So there needs to be a time where you understand and grow in your understanding to God. We provide that here at Grace, actually. After you've been a part of worship, we encourage you to get involved in one of our Bible studies or our adult Bible classes. You don't even have to leave the church. You just have to walk a little bit further and stay a little bit longer. And you can begin that journey of learning together corporately. We have people that teach here that get paid to actually teach elsewhere. And part of their worship, part of their service is to give to their church. You should take advantage of that. You should join maybe one of our Bible studies during the week. In Grace Kids, we specifically don't have a children's ministry just around you bringing your children and dropping them off so people can care for them. They're actually learning truths about God so that their faith will be strengthened as well. Number two is learn. Number three, fellowship. This is the longest description in this passage. They devoted themselves. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. All of those are explanations or descriptions of fellowshipping together. Because you were never meant to live alone in your walk with Jesus Christ or in your discipleship. Many people have gone inwardly and just said, you know, I know Jesus, but it's not about that. Because there's so many different people with so many different backgrounds, you miss out on what God's doing through other people's lives. You miss out on, on the fellowship. You see, there are five things I believe you receive through fellowship. Five things that you do not get from a Bible study, you do not get from a worship service that help you grow. You ready? One, you have a place to belong. If you're not there, people miss you. They call you, they check up on you. You belong there. Number two, it's a place to feel safe. It's not a place to, be, to walk into and feel like you're being judged, but you are who you are and you've already been accepted in that group. Maybe to wear your warts and be heard to share, which is number three. It's a place to be heard, to share what God is doing in your life. It's transparent, but you're accepted. Number four, it's a place to be encouraged. There's two reasons to be in a fellowship group. Maybe you need to be in a group for fellowship because you need the fellowship, but maybe you need to be put in a fellowship group because other people need you. And number five, to be cared for. If you are known, people will know what you need. And that's what God has designed this for, actually. I know people that come to this church that have been part of some of our ministries at this church solely because they did not have a community that loves them. They might not know Jesus. We have people here that go to fellowship groups. They don't know Jesus. 
yet they keep coming back because there's something different and they know they need that. Or maybe there's people that are very young or hurt in their faith and they need a place to be there and be themselves. We have people at this church that do that very thing. It's so important that we take that seriously. We have community groups here and that's primarily what they do. We have women of grace and that's primarily what they do. We have men of grace, that's primarily what they do. We have young adults, that's primarily what they do. We have a lot of places for you to belong. I think our student ministry in high school is that very thing for your students, to have a place where they belong and can be encouraged and hurt. Number four, serve. The description is an interesting description. They devoted themselves to selling property and possessions to give to anyone who has need. Many people have misread this and thought this means communism, right? Or if we sell everything we have, put it in a pot and distribute it evenly, no one will have need. Well, that's not true. What they did is they just responded to the people that were in need and they were willing to even give up goods that they had so that other people in their family, in their group, in their church would not be without because that's not good news. Paul later addresses this in 1 Corinthians 11, actually. And so what you have here is you have people that outwardly, they look at their family, they look at the people in the church, and they say, you know what? Their faith is my responsibility. I'm gonna do something about that. And so we have people that volunteer in Grace Kids to do that, student ministry that do that, parking team that do that, care ministry. They go around to people that can't come in the doors of this church but are part of this church to care for them. I can tell you story after story of benevolence, of people that walk in from the streets. We give away close to $100,000 every year in benevolence to people that need. We actually give regularly to Union Gospel Mission to provide people um, places to stay and food if they're homeless. And they get a worship service where they get to hear about Jesus. Our G4G just actually approved I'm not gonna give it away, but a lot of money to help build a laundromat that is affordable or it just runs at cost for people to have clothes that are clean so they can go to school and go to church. Because did you know in poverty places, that's one of the biggest deterrents of people going to school is they don't have clean clothes. Serving is such a demonstration of what you believe because it's not good enough for you to follow God, but it's good for all to follow God. It should stir in your heart to do that. We have plenty of places for you to volunteer. But let me push one that you probably haven't heard our need for. You know what we need more than anything else right now? That might not be true. But what we need that's big. We have a lot of people that are about to walk through the doors of Grace Bible Church because they just made New Year's revolution. Revolution? Resolution. And they said, you know what? I'm gonna take serious my faith. I'm gonna go back to church. I'm gonna be there. You know what we need? We need people that will stand at the door and not walk off, but stand at the door and greet people as they come in. Look them in the eye and say, hey, welcome to Grace Bible Church. I haven't met you. My name's so-and-so. If you can do that, you have no idea how many people choose to come back to church because they've been recognized as a person. This person at the door does not need to hand them a worship guide because it's not a transaction. It's a relationship. And right now, we don't have enough greeters not to have someone at the door that doesn't carry a worship guide. We need, listen to this, we need 15 people. 15 people that say, I can do that. 
and you'll devote yourself in 2019 to be a greeter. It's easy to do. Come see me. Write down on the tear out guide on the inside of your worship guide and drop it off and I'll get it, I'll contact you. Because every single person desires to be served because that's what Jesus Christ has done for you. There's that hunger in you. James Lufo wants me to tell you he also needs people that can sing and worship. And so I'd be remiss to share. I know some of you are sitting out there, you have a background in singing, women, men, and you know that God wants you to use that gift to help lead the congregation. If you can do that, I want you to stop James Lufo. He'll know who you are if you just rub his head really hard. <laughs> Number five, share. Share. You don't have to rub James' head. Share. They devoted themselves to enjoying the favor of all people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Their life was not just for them, but it, was such, it just changed their life and transformed them in such a way that it was transparent to all people around that there's something different about them. Whether it was their actions or their words, people believed in the Jesus that they followed because they shared they shared outside the walls of their church because they didn't actually have a building at that time, yet they were still called a church. So a church is not a building, it is a people living in such demonstration that other people would believe. And so what happened is people would ask them why they were acting the way they were acting, they would tell them about Jesus. We have plenty of opportunities for you to share, whether it's outreach, whether it's mission, whether it's our Go group, which is one of the most fascinating things that I saw start last year at Grace Bible Church. I'm so proud of this group. It's a community group that said we don't want to just sit in a circle, but we want to go out to our neighboring houses and apartments around here and tell people about Jesus to get to know them. And they don't just go by one time. They keep going back. They annoy the mess out of them. And guess what? In a matter of three to four months, I know of two people that came to follow Jesus Christ. And listen to this. This is one of the most incredible stories, in my opinion, is that one person heard about Jesus, saw the demonstration in what they were doing. He doesn't speak English very well, and he showed up here for a Bible study to learn about Jesus or to see the group in such a way that he can't even understand what we're talking about. It was one of the most beautiful and awkward things I've ever been a part of. But their life of sharing looked so beautiful to them that they had to be a part of what's happening in these doors so they could be a part of these people. I know there's many of you that you, God is stirring in your heart. You say, man, I've been all about my life. I've been all about me growing. I've been all about me believing, but I haven't been about other people believing. We have a place that we can put you in this next month to launch out prayerfully to share Jesus Christ with our neighbors. Consider it. Consider it. Flip over your notes quickly. This is how we make disciples. We provide a place for you to worship, learn, fellowship, serve, and share. On the back of this, you will see a chart. Because you might be sitting in your seat saying, where do I start? Or might not even know what you need to do next. This will help you figure it out. There's two columns, that's up and down. There's five rows, that's a cross. Consider your life and do this regularly. If you don't have a personal time of worship, maybe you should start there. If you have a corporate time of worship, you can check that box. 
That's a gimme. You're here today. You can check that box. The same thing with learning. Are you learning personally? Are you learning individually as you follow God? There's a relationship between him and you. Are you learning in a group? Are you a part of a community that is growing closer to God with their minds? You can check that box or leave it open. Maybe you need to get involved there. And go on down the line. Fellowship, if you're meeting one-on-one with somebody else and they know you, you can do the individual under fellowship. If you're in a group fellowshipping together as they grow together, you can do that. What about serving? Are you serving those people in this church? Are you serving those individuals in such a way? Are you serving outside the church together as a group? Are you sharing personally with people that you work with or with people that you live with Or are you sharing corporately in a group that's going and serving maybe in South Dallas or something else? Whichever spots are open are probably the area that God wants you to get involved. And we have plenty of opportunity for you to do that at Grace. Because the way I describe Grace is if it's ever smelled like a ministry, we're probably trying it right now. But let me show you one more thing. It doesn't stop with you. This is the grid I keep in my mind when I'm meeting with someone else and I'm talking to them as I'm helping make a disciple. I am asking them questions in such a way that I'm listening. Do they have a time of personal worship with God? Have they been attending church? Have they been growing in their understanding of God by being part? And have they been fellowshipping? Have they rejected fellowship? And when I listen to this, wherever they're lacking, as a disciple-making person, I respond to that one thing and encourage them to try that. I can tell you one story. There's a guy at our church that grew up in a church that's actually a pastor. He went to a church that didn't necessarily follow uh, or or go into depth with teaching, God, we should say. But his life is so beautiful. He worships God with his life. He fellowshiped and he encouraged that. He served and he shared regularly, but he didn't really know scripture. And the reason he comes here is because he recognized that was a place he was void. And the last two years of life have been something that's just been magnificent. And he's experienced worship and belief in God in such a way it strengthened his faith, strengthened his growth, and strengthened the way that he goes. What if we were a church that responded that way? What if we did that in 2019? That we all took that chart seriously and we all once a month got in there and said, where do I need to go? And went through it. Could you imagine a group of people that were disciples that make a difference? This is how we do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your clarity and the way that you've designed grace. Help us to follow you faithfully. Help us to worship you with our lives, learn from you and your word, fellowship with those people you've put in our lives, serve those that you've graciously given us to serve, and share with those that don't know you. We love you. It's by your son's name we pray, amen.